You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on the Pet Life Radio Network. This is the unique show where each episode is focused on an animal advocate whose work makes our planet a better place. I'm Keith Sanderson, creator and host of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates and the sidekick of Max A. Pooch, the canine champion for animals in the environment. Unarguably, the evolutionary interspecies relationship between man and dog is unique in the animal world. This has been a symbiotic relationship benefiting both dogs and humans. And this unique relationship continues today in the 21st century. And one of the most striking examples of this is the work service dogs do to help humans. Our guest today is Mike Kitchens. Mike is a Vietnam-era Army veteran, a retired DuPont executive, and chairman and spokesman for Smoky Mountain Service Dogs. We will meet Mike in a moment and learn about the special work Smoky Mountain Service Dogs is doing for veterans, how Mike became involved, and what makes this organization so special. However, first a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson. Today's guest is Mike Kitchens, Chairman and Spokesman for Smoky Mountain Service Dogs. Hi, Mike. Thank you for being with us today. Good morning, Keith. It's certainly our pleasure. We're very proud of what our organization is accomplishing and look forward to sharing it with your audience. Well, that's great because when I, you know, when I did some research and, and saw the work you're doing, I, I said to myself, you know, this really is a story that needs to be told. So to start with, what is Smoky Mountain Service Dogs and who are your clients? Smoky Mountain Service Dogs began in 2010, and since it takes about two years of training to prepare one of our mobility assistance dogs, 2013 was our first year of matching and placing dogs with recipients. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, and our mission is to enhance the physical and psychological quality of life for veterans with disabilities by providing custom-trained mobility assistance service dogs to them at no cost. Wow, at no cost. That's remarkable. Now, how and why did you become associated with Smoky Mountain Service Dogs? Well, actually, it was through my wife, Susie. 
who uh, actually served as the first chair for Smoky Mountain Service Dogs. We had had little dogs, wonderful little Italian greyhounds, and after we lost our last one, we decided that uh, we were ready for the big dog experience. And Susie happened to see in a local newspaper an organization that trained service dogs for autistic children, and they needed some volunteers. So we volunteered with that organization, and we just had a couple of wonderful dogs. One we raised for six months from a puppy, and another was a um, an older adult dog, a golden doodle by the name of Noah. And I'm telling you, Noah not only stole our hearts, but he demonstrated for us the great, great value that these dogs can bring to those in need. So that pretty much got us started. And then uh, Susie and some friends, we had a meeting at our house here, our first organizational meeting in October of 2010, and I was fully retired. I was playing golf and I was fishing, and I was right in the middle of my wonderful retired life. But I did agree to assist them with the business planning. And so we went to planning, defining what needed to be done and who was going to do what. And those ladies went off. And it wasn't long till they found someone to do the 501c3. And from there, it just they were so committed and dedicated to the mission that it just wasn't long till I was pulled in. But in looking at the needs of our veterans, uh, being a veteran myself, I said, my goodness, look what these dogs can do for autistic children. Imagine what they can do for these veterans that have suffered so dearly uh, defending our freedoms. So that was kind of the way we got started, and it's just been a wonderful, wonderful journey. You know what I find interesting about your story, Mike, is that, you know, so many times people say, well, I'd really like to do something, and but I don't have the background. But I think really when you start thinking about it, no matter what our backgrounds are, we can find a way to use them for a nonprofit, whether it's helping animals or some other area. What do you think, Mike? Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're fortunate here. We live in a retirement community and there's, the resources are just, they're just wonderful. And so many people that have been successful realize the importance of giving back. And that's actually the way that allows us to do what that's what allows us to do what we do Uh, we were blessed from the beginning also with wonderful wonderful trainers that were available but it's really we're a volunteer-based organization and to share this journey with so many others that are so committed to the mission is just a wonderful experience yeah it really sounds it and um, I first heard of you through a mutual acquaintance and then uh, over the dog park I take Max people were talking about you guys and so I said gee I got to look more into this and uh, your reputation certainly preceded you guys now back to the dogs what kind of dog breeds do you guys use we prefer our preference but not exclusively actually is labs and retrievers For what we do, mobility assistance, if you can envision a a large lab with a custom-made mobility assistance harness that has a telescoping handle, kind of like a piece of luggage. So we need big dogs. We need dogs that have a very high food drive because that's the way we train, positive reinforcement with treats. And believe me, labs and retrievers, they like to eat. (laughs) Uh, Food drive is important. Their retrieval skills, if we have a young man, as an example, that's a double amputee and and those prosthetics are fine, but they get pretty uh, painful after a while. When they take them off at night, to have a dog that can be trained to retrieve specific items, maybe the telephone in case of an emergency, to go to the refrigerator, pull on a rope, open the door, reach in, and get a bottle of water, 
to retrieve dropped items. All of our dogs is basic training. If one of our recipients drops a credit card on a tile floor at Walmart, the dog will pick the card up off that tile floor and put it on a counter. So the retrieval skills, large dogs, and in addition, the desire to please of those breeds just is off the chart. They just want to be helpful. You can just see it in their eyes and you can see it in the way they bond with the recipients, but not exclusively. We're always looking for, we have contacts at local shelters. We're always looking to evaluate an appropriate shelter dog. It's difficult because we don't have the genetic history on the, the parents, on the hips. We certify hips and eyes, but we just placed our last placement was a wonderful dog blitz that came from the shelter. It's a black lab mix, and he just turned out to be just an incredible dog. So we're always looking at the shelters. We also occasionally will evaluate an owner surrender dog. Our trainers will do a very thorough evaluation, not only with puppies that we're looking at, but any dog that uh, has the possibility to come into our program. Well, that's great. That's great. Uh, you're sort of an equal opportunity employer as far as uh, the dogs are concerned then. It's really great news that uh, you do look at shelters because uh, a lot of those guys deserve a chance too. Now, the training, can you go through, you know, the training from puppy to graduation? What are the steps? How do you know how they get socialized? Where you use volunteers to help you? So, you know, things like that? Absolutely. We have uh, about a two-year training course, give, you know, two or three months, depending on the dog and, and the needs of the recipient. If we start with a puppy, and our trainers will look at a litter of puppies and perform a battery of tests. As an example, if they, they do a bang test where they'll make a loud noise and the puppies will scurry off, we don't want the one that stays, that goes away and doesn't come back. We want the one that demonstrates a sense of curiosity. So we start our puppies with puppy raisers. They will attend an indoctrination course because they obviously have to become familiar with the commands and how to housebreak the puppy. So once the first six months, the dog is with a puppy raiser working with our trainers, and then we'll bring the dog into the kennel for the next level of training. And that level of training is things like opening and closing the refrigerator door, retrieving items, telephones, turning lights on and off, those types of things. And that during that time, we have socializers that are volunteers that will go to the kennel, pick up a dog for the day. The dog's a vested dog, and the trainers may say, well, this dog needs to go to the baggage area at the airport today. So that socializing goes from about six months to 18 months or so. At about 18 months, we begin to look at our recipients, and we look at the skill sets of our dogs. We do a home visit on the recipient because we have to be familiar with the home environment, steps, uh, family dynamics, can they take care of the dog, can they exercise the dog. Once we do the home visit and define what the dog can do to most assist that veteran, then we custom train the dog on those very specific skills for about three months. Then the veteran comes to us for team training for a period of two weeks. Uh, the first three days are classroom training. We help them understand how to take care of the dog, obviously how to command the dog, and then we do a lot of public work. And at the end, they participate under the guidelines of Assistance Dogs International in a public access test. They have to demonstrate as a vi they're a viable team in public, the dog is under control, the dog goes under the table in restaurants, those types of things. And once they pass that public access test, then we have the formal graduation, which we refer to as the passing of the leash. 
Mark, can you explain what that ceremony is? That sounds sort of interesting. It's not only interesting, it's extremely emotional for all of us because at this point, we know this recipient, obviously. We love all our dogs, so we love the dog. We've gotten to know the recipient's family. And the passing of the leash is a ceremony where all the volunteers that worked with that particular dog, as an example, the puppy raiser of that dog, the volunteers that helped socialize the dog or respite fostered the dog on weekends, they each take the dog and the leash, and you'll have the veteran on the other end, and pass the leash with the dog down the line. It will go to the sponsor that had assisted us financially with that particular dog and would be passed to the veteran. Very emotional ceremony. They give me my crying towel before I start. And then once we pass the dog, that's when we provide the veteran with the transfer of ownership. We have a wonderful quilting club that presents that veteran with a quilt of valor. We have a gentleman that presents that veteran with a hand-carved eagle cane. We have a wonderful, wonderful business that will provide that veteran dog food for life of his dog. So it's just the culmination of the efforts of a lot of people. And it's just, it's a wonderful thing to experience and to be a part of. Yeah, it really does. I bet you there's not a dry eye in the place during that ceremony. No, there's certainly not. I can guarantee you my eyes aren't dry and I'm leading the charge there. So it's, it's, a, it's just a wonderful, people that participate understand they've been a part of something very, very special. It does sound really special, and uh, we want to learn more about what's going on, but we need to take a break. And when we return, Mike's going to talk about, you know, the cost of a certified dog, who pays for it, and more. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady. I travel from coast to coast to pet trade shows and consumer events to scout out what the hottest, hippest, and most unique pet products are on the planet, bringing you tips and tricks from top veterinarians, groomers, trainers on how to safely travel and live happily with your pets. The Pet Lady will be in a city near you, showing off the latest and greatest tech pet gadgets, cozy comforts, and fab gift ideas for man's and woman's best friend. You can learn more at thepetlady.net or connect socially and tweet with me at PetLadyWorld. 
Hi, this is Marcy Davis and my service dog, Whistle, and we're your hosts of Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Working Like Dogs is the show where you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about working animals or working dogs. Whether you're a member of a working dog team or you've just seen a working dog or animal out at the mall or the grocery store and you're curious about how these amazing animals work with their human partners, then Working Like Dogs is the show for you. Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and our guest is Mike Kitchens from the Smoky Mountain Service Dogs Organization. Mike, I think it sounds like there's, what, two th- close to 2,000 hours of training that goes into a Smoky Mountain service dog, plus the care and the socializing and the veterinarian bills and everything else. What is the value and the cost of a, uh, of a service dog like this, and who pays for it? Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's a huge project. It sounds pretty simple up front, you know, train a dog for a veteran, but it's a huge process, and it is also a very expensive process. The cost for a one of our mobility assistance service dogs with training in the range of fifteen to two thousand hours, we figure we have about twenty thousand dollars invested in that dog when we pass it on to a veteran. Other organizations, you'll find that number uh, significantly higher. Our business model, since we operate essentially with we have no paid administrative staff like an executive director, so our business model allows us to be in the $20,000 range. As far as these dogs eat about $40 a month each in food, you know, we certify hips and eyes, and uh, obviously you occasionally have an emergency situation, a medical situation that's expensive to dogs. We've had two dogs that each required $5,000 of hip surgery before we could adopt them out. And another thing that does drive the cost up is not all dogs complete our program. We've never had an aggression issue with the dog, but we've had things like, well, maybe they didn't meet our hip specification. Maybe they have a problem with revolving doors, or they they can't take the noise at the airport, those sorts of things. We have a wonderful uh, career change policy that allows those wonderful dogs to be adopted out to very good families. Well, that sounds good because, you know, sometimes... People get critical of programs such as yours because they claim the dogs are being exploited. How do you respond to those kind of critics? It's pretty easy, actually. You know, number one, we love all dogs. And uh, we're very, very diligent in ensuring that our recipients and also all of our volunteers will handle the dog in an appropriate manner. We do home visits also on volunteers. And once you witness, these are working dogs, essentially, our labs and retrievers, and they are most happy when they have a sense of purpose and are working. When you observe one of these dogs being introduced to a veteran, they seem to have a sense that that veteran needs them. And the thing that occurs in the bonding process, and this has never failed thus far in our business history, it's just beautiful. It's just absolutely beautiful. So 
I think the way we care for our dogs, the way we select our dogs, I think anyone would be very, very proud of the way we ensure the appropriate care uh, and love for our dogs. It sounds it. And, and I think sometimes those critics lose sight of the fact that breeds are wired to do certain things. And most dogs like to have a job. And uh, so if you have retrievers, this is just happy time for them because they're doing what they were bred to do and uh, to help. And uh, just like humans, dogs, uh, the experts claim they get satisfaction out of helping. So I, I think those critics may... Uh, want to take a look and learn more about dogs before they uh, criticize organizations that use dogs in a helpful and healthy manner. Yeah, I would totally agree. And also look very closely at the organizations. Like so many businesses, there are some that do it better than others and some that do it right and some that may fall short of the standard that we have for what we do. You know, sometimes so-called service dogs are just dogs that somebody's put a vest on. Does that happen? And oh, absolutely. It's a huge problem for us because we work so hard and so diligently in doing the right way. And we'll see situations where someone will go on the Internet, purchase a service dog vest, and put it on their personal dog and, and present that dog as a legitimate service dog. What some of those folks don't realize is they have liabilities. If they take that service dog out under the guise of a service dog and he happens to bite someone, there's you know significant liability there. So we see a lot of that. We get a lot of calls from veterans that would like for us to train their personal dog. Maybe it's a, a pit bull, and I love pit bulls too, but there are certain breeds. We won't train personal dogs. We will only train dogs that we selected through our trainers. So there's, you know, there's a lot of activity like that out there, but Assistance Dogs International is a wonderful organization. It represents the gold star for those that do what we do and do it correctly. We're a candidate for accreditation and we're currently working on our accreditation. So if someone gets a service dog through an Assistance Dog International member, they can rest assured that those folks are doing things the right way. Interesting, interesting. Now, how does a vet go about the application process and to become a Smoky Mountain Service Dog recipient? Well, they start with a preliminary application that's posted on our website. It will ask them two or three questions. It also, one will be, how do you feel a service dog would be of assistance to you? Those applications, and it gives us their contact information, those applications come to my wife, Susie. She is the Veterans Family Liaison, uh, and she's the principal interface with our veterans. She will look at that preliminary information and call the veteran. And if they're looking as an example for a sight dog, we don't do sight dogs, she will refer them to an appropriate organization. If they meet our criteria, we send them a full application, and it's very detailed. Uh, one of the things that application includes is a seven-day log of their activities because we have to begin to develop a visual of what this person's day is like, what's their week like, what are their activities. So they receive the full application. That also provides us access to their doctor so that we confirm the level and extent of their injuries. And once we receive the full application, we do a home visit on the veteran, that goes well, we'll schedule them to come in for their two weeks of team training. Wow, it sounds like an involved process. And not I would imagine not all veterans who apply finish their, I don't want to say weeded out, but found for some reason or other they just aren't a suitable recipient. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. We require a physical disability. The majority of our 
recipients may have suffered traumatic brain injuries. Maybe their head was slammed against the side of a Humvee when they were exposed to an improvised explosive device or limb loss. Mobility assistance, what we specialize really is keeping them upright, not only making their lives better when they're at home by the retrieval things, but providing them balance. We have kids that, uh, I call them kids, they're my kids, but they're men, believe me, that would go out and fall. These kids fall a lot, and we like to keep them upright. So we require a physical disability. A big issue in veterans, obviously, is post-traumatic stress syndrome. We're very, very understanding and conscious of PTSD. Uh, The majority of our recipients all suffer some level of PTSD, but it's difficult to to go through that all the levels of PTSD without an awful lot of highly qualified professional help. So although we serve mobility assistance, our recipients normally also suffer from some level of PTSD. Wow. Where can um, I get the information? Would that be on your website? It would if someone would like more information on who we are and what we do and how we do it. We invite them to visit our website at Smoky, no E-S-M-O-K-Y, SmokyMountainServiceDogs.org, or they can visit us on Facebook. Our website is very informative and provides appropriate contact information. They can contact me. They can contact my wife. There's information about volunteering. There's information on how to donate. You mentioned uh, your wife, Susie, uh, was the one who got you involved with SMSD, and uh, you're both animal advocates. I guess you'd have to be an animal advocate in order to do this because you can't just like humans and not animals or vice versa. But what do you say to people who ask that with so much human misery in the world, how can you justify for advocating for animals? Oh, my goodness. It's pretty easy, actually, I think. If you're biblical, if a biblical student, you can go back to Noah and the ark and the importance of putting the animals on the ark. Uh, So I think that's kind of a place that you start. If you visit a shelter, whether it be a canine shelter, whether there are cats, whether it's the bald eagle rehabilitation facility over in the Smoky Mountains, whether it's the uh, Appalachian Bear Center Rescue Center, you can see how animals are exposed to the pain and suffering. Uh, Majority of Animal owners are very diligent and take good care of their owners. Some do not. Some do not understand how to take care of their animals. So you end up with so many, many of these wonderful animals, whether they're cats, dogs, bear cubs, eagles. We had a recent situation where an eagle was shot. The eagle survived. It's in rehab over at Dollywood in their eagle rehab facility. So if you're just a sensitive person, all you have to do is look around. You'll see dogs wandering down the street that are lost. So, uh, goodness, these are God's creatures. We need to look after them. That's a great answer. That's a great answer, Mike. And it's really just inspires me when I get someone like you on a program and answer this question because I've gotten a lot of great answers. Now, in your mind, you know, there's a lot of competition out there for donations and a lot of great organizations. What makes Smoky Mountain Service Dogs an outstanding organization, That one that's worth donating time or money to? Well, I think, first of all, it's because 
we're so blessed with so many wonderful volunteers. Our business model, we have no executive director. We have no paid administrative staff. So that business model allows, in 2014, $0.97 cents of every dollar went directly to the care and training of our dogs and the recipients of our dogs. I think another thing is, if you look at our veterans, I was giving a presentation recently, and I met the family. Their son was spending his sixth tour in Afghanistan, these multiple tours. So our young men and women are exposed to the war experience multiple times. VA gets a lot of play, certainly has recently. VA cannot do it all. We feel there's a community responsibility to assist these young men and women as they reacclimate themselves back into the day-to-day activities of our society. And it's difficult for them. It's very difficult for them. So I think there's there's a key role for volunteers within the community to pay back these young men and women who sacrificed so much in defending all of our freedoms. Recently, as with a double amputee, one of our recipients and somebody said he lost his legs and he looked them straight in the eyes. No, I didn't lose my legs. I gave them. Oh, wow. That was a very profound comment I felt. It really was. It really was. Now, again, uh, Mike, where can a listener find out more information about possibly becoming a volunteer or donating to uh, SMSD? I would refer them to a couple of avenues. One would be our website, Smoky Mountain Service Dogs. There's a navigation point, provides information on all of our volunteer positions. There's also a donate button there that they can use to donate to us through PayPal. As far as if someone wants to send a donation to our home, we operate out of our home, and it would be to Smoky Mountain Service Dogs, 110, that's 110, Toweka, spelled T-O-O-W-E-K-A, circle, Loudoun, Tennessee, 37774. Uh, We respond to all donations with acknowledgments and tax receipts, and uh, we greatly appreciate them and graciously accept them. Wow. So uh, any of our listeners, I mean, this is really giving something to our veterans who have given so much of themselves, literally, for us. And, you know, Mike, we've run out of time. I want to thank you and, and uh, all those in your organization so much for doing the job you're doing and you for taking the time to join us. And it's through organizations such as Smoky Mountain Service Dogs that we see a very striking example of how animals such as dogs help humans and make our lives better. And again, thank you for sharing the work you and uh, your organization does and are doing for the veterans. And Max A. Pooch also thanks these Smoky Mountain Rescue Dogs for the work they're actually doing and gives them five big tail-wagging wolves for demonstrating the incredible help they're giving to our vets. And I want to thank Mark Winter, executive producer and co-founder of Pet Life Radio and the sponsors who make this program possible. Please join us for each and every episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates and be sure to tell your friends about us. Remember, until we meet again, when you do a good thing for animals, you help to make the world a better place. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.